a little word of warning, this podcast contains swears and use of explicit sexual language. Therefore, it is not suitable for anyone under the age of 18 or anyone who thinks a swingers club belongs on a golf course. I'm ahead of the game. Hello all, welcome back to Smut Drop. This is your weekly roundup to the more eccentric side of sex and relationships from metro.co.uk. I'm Miranda Kane and on this week's show I'll be looking at proximity crushes, chatting to Dr Chris Hayward about sex clubs and I'll be reading out all your saucy stories and kinky confessions. If you like what you hear then please rate, review or at least subscribe wherever you get your finest of podcasts. And I hope you're ready because I'm about to make you sleep on the wet patch. Hello, 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 dearest listener. Okay, quick question Have you ever had a proximity crush? Yes, it's another dating fad brought to you by the good people of TikTok. You know these people. It's the guy in the office who smiles at you when you get up for a cup of tea or the gym bro who's there at the same time as you working on his squats or it might just be someone nearby in like a waiting room. It's always someone who's conveniently there like a little vending machine. They've got their snacks that you're not really excited about but they're there and you're hungry, so why not give it a shot? But matches dating expert Hayley Quinn warns that you're settling for a relationship of convenience and it could be a trap. You might end up in a situation where you're with someone just because you're tired of being single. Oh, I feel you. I know we are all so tired of being single. It's tough. And when you find someone that's there and they like you and you just think, eh, why not? Then it can really make you make some questionable dating decisions. So ask yourself if you've really got a crush on someone because you like them or if you're just settling for what's easy. And what's the solution? Haley advises you to work on your self-love and your self-esteem before jumping into a relationship with the first available option. Oh, we've heard, we know this. Come on, this is nothing new, people. You've got to try building up your social life, pursue a passion project, ditch all those self-imposed deadlines for finding a partner and make your own beautiful way in life. Don't settle with someone just because they're there like a mediocre snack. No, take your time, work on yourself and don't rush into a relationship just because you feel like you should. Trust me, you will thank Auntie Miranda in the end. Don't worry. If you want to know more, then check out the article, Do You Really Fancy Them or Do You Have a Proximity Crush? over at metro.co.uk. But obviously, not before you've listened to this week's guest. Ladies and gentlemen, gays and nays, I believe that there are two types of people in this world. Those who have been to sex clubs and those who wonder what sex clubs are like. So despite their rise in popularity, very little is known about who visits and why, which can lead to some unhealthy misconceptions, especially around sexual health. Fortunately, this week's guest is an academic who is trying to shift to a mature discussion around swingers clubs by focusing on sexual freedom and protection. He's a reader in critical masculinity 
Disability Studies at Newcastle University. And I think he's going to be a massive fucking troublemaker. It's Dr. Chris Hayward. Hello, Dr. Chris. Hello. You are the giver of pleasure, aren't you? You are the... <laughs> These introductions. Thank you. You're incredible. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Um, I hope I can deliver. Uh, a bit, bit like my love life, isn't it? Huh? All that expectation. I am so impressed. Can I just say, right, first things first, one of the things where I thought where I thought I've got to get him on is because I was looking through the papers. You're an actual academic. Like you just you write this stuff. And you've got ones about leaving <laughs> leave masculinity at the car door, about dogging, brilliant, masculinity and Thai beer brands. You are not someone who's gonna let school get in the way of having a good time, are you? I'm not. That's exactly right. It's gotta be done. I when you're going to swingers clubs and drinking lager well i don't know i, I i've just got a lovely uh, university that supports me in what i'm doing you've got to have the backing you've got to have someone who who has a little bit of faith in you so uh you know it's great that the university has been able to uh look after me in some cases so uh yeah and in return you're you're doing research at sex clubs let's start with let's and what a great place to start let's go straight for the doggers let's go straight for the swingers so sex clubs how did you what made you start wanting to write uh research about it where where did you start well i think um it's from the dogging really okay <laughs> No, it goes back. You see, when I was, I was at, when I was at university, I had friend. I had this friend, and he used to say to me, "Do you know, Chris? I've been out. I've had sex with fifty women." And I go, "Oh yeah," and with twenty-seven different positions. And I'm going, "What on earth is going on?" And I was really intrigued to say, "What? Well, why is he telling me that? Why is he speaking to me like that?" So I've had this yeah. thing about masculinity, men, and um, sex, and how it feeds into their identity. I've had that. Well, for such a long time, and uh, I watched. I did an undergraduate di dissertation on uh, men and women's orgasms and what the experience was, and what came out of that was just like men not knowing what was going on, having this lack mm. of knowledge and understanding. So from there, it went all the way through, and more recently, I ended up in dogging. So, <laughs> and I was just intrigued, you see, because I wanted to, you know, here you have men having sex with men, having sex with women. And they didn't see themselves as gay or bisexual or as sometimes even straight. What is happening? So how do they make sense of it? And um, from there, I was doing an interview and this um, one of the guys said to me, do you know, dogging, it's a bit like the dark room in the sex club. And I went, what? <laughs> Next day, I'm in the university, tapping away. Do you know, guys, that search, <laughs> that search bar was going crazy. I tell you. And so, but the thing is, you know, um, so I was looking for sex clubs and where are they? Where are... And all of a sudden, this whole new world emerged in front of my eyes, you know? <laughs> I bet it did, if you're looking at dark rooms in sex clubs. Seriously, I'm going, well, do you know where they are? And all these sex clubs, they're everywhere, but you don't know. Yeah. What about them? So, like, I teach a, I teach a module, Sex, Sexuality and Desire. I have about 90 students on there, and I say to them, who knows where the sex club is? And, you know, the majority of them say, well, I, there's a club down here. And they refer to gay lesbian clubs. No one, well, not no one. There's a few that have an understanding of what, they, what a, a, a kind of sex club, swingers club's about. And, um, do you know? Um, and then you say, 
where do you live? And I say, look, there's one there. And they're just amazed, do you know? So it's kind of a really, really hit. And when you look at them, there's no flags outside. You don't know whether there's this kind of a rundown pub or a hotel or a factory workshop. You just don't see it. And like, oh, my yeah. gosh. And they go, is it really? Are they really? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so so from the dogging to visiting clubs and, and, going in the dark, and, and going in the dark rooms, talking to people about men about visiting dark rooms, um, and then broadening out to say, well, hold on. You've got to know what's going on in the club to understand what's going on elsewhere. So, yeah, I always think that sex is very much a canary in the coal mine of a lot of people's attitudes. Like, it's not just um, towards their own sort of sexuality when it comes to sex, it's also how they feel about other people. And, you know, in your case, <laughs> what you can turn up and, and use as a job. <laughs> I tell you, talk about turning up. I went to one club, you know, and I stood there at the door and I, I rang the bell. And this, this man came down in a onesie. It was, it was a, tig, a Tigger onesie. <laughs> and I'm going, what do I say? And I said, I'm here for the club. And he said to me, it's onesie night. And I'm like, but now we've got a onesie. Oh, we'll let you in anyway. And I, gosh, I went up, I went up the uh, I went up the stairs and we had all, a whole range of different characters there. I thought, what on earth is going on? Okay, I need to start with the sex club. So you were intrigued by the sex clubs after, you know, all the dogging and everything. So, but are you are you partaking? Are you saying that I'm an academic and I want to write a research paper? Or are you going there and going, I'm writing a research paper, but what, hey, while in Rome? <laughs> I love the idea. And don't get me wrong, I visited clubs before, okay? But yeah. as part of the what you call it, as part of the academic thing. Look, how am I supposed to know what's going on if I'm stuck to a St Andrew's cross? I mean, come on. <laughs> how am I supposed to make sense of what's happening? If you know you're in a room and there's like several people around, it just doesn't work. So the clubs themselves, you know, when you when you're there is uh, doing research, you always think the action's elsewhere. Do you know? You want to see what's going on somewhere. You just got to be with it. And it's really intriguing because you just don't have this kind of erotic pull in there. You don't kind of, you just, it's not there. It's like just all turned off almost. I mean, it's just about fascination and thinking, oh my gosh, what's happening here? So yeah, no, it's kind of, I'm I'm not, you know, it's not like a busman's holiday. But, you know, when I was trying to get the ethical approval, I mean, they've got some some questions coming back as if this was some dark and shady place. Do you know, people go yeah. in there and, you know, watch out where you drive, you park your car, etc., which is absolutely fine and the protocols, etc. But you walk in, there's a fucking buffet on the on the, on the bar. <laughs> What's going on? Would you eat it? Would you eat, would you eat the buffet at a sex well, club? <laughs> with both hands. You double dip the hummus, I would. you? You're a double I dipper, would. yeah. Yeah, yeah you know. So you are you are very much going there with like a clipboard with research in mind. Yeah. Well, could you imagine if I turned up with a clipboard? All right, we're in the orgy room. Oh, there's Chris. <laughs> hold on, hold on, everyone. I'm a researcher from Newcastle. <laughs> I've got a questionnaire. Yeah, it's a questionnaire. All right, what's that? A bit of DP. Oh, we'll have to get you down there then. Come on. It's kind of like 
usually there's you know there's a sense of anonymity there there's a kind of code of anonymity that kind of circulates around and you know asking someone talking to someone about doing research it's really you know it's something that would disrupt the whole thing and also clubs are commercial and you know club owners don't want you in there saying you know all right you go in there and you you know you do your research it's going to put people off it's it's a real it's a real difficult dynamic so are you taking are you out of the space when you're asking people questions are you like emailing them questionnaires or is well it... the, you know there's what's called there's the interviews that take place outside of the space when you go in you're really trying to get that kind of what we call the ethnographic kind of style of trying to immerse yourself in this feeling and getting a sense of the atmosphere um mm. so there's that kind of way and you know you're not invasive in terms of what you're asking people questions you're not doing any of that kind of thing you're just there to soak up what's going on now afterwards, oh. you know, you can you can start doing the more kind of um, in depth um, interviewing, but in the space, no, you no. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot of people, good people that would pay for ethnographic research. Definitely, that's a very niche part of OnlyFans <laughs> ethnographic. But you see, when you're writing it up, I mean, this is one of the challenges you're writing up, and the 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 language you use is really it is kind of very erotic language. And what do you do? Do you just do a cold, objective kind of approach? Or do you come in there and tell us it is? Do you know? Yeah. Well, I was reading your your um, the press release around the, the book you wrote around it. And it's like, oh, there's very few press releases I read about academia where they manage to put the words like monkeypox, super gonorrhea and cuckolding all in the same space. <laughs> Good on him. Well done. <laughs> Well, what is it that you were trying to say with the research? What did you want to find out and what did you want to, to publish to the world? Well, I, I wanted to capture it. I wanted to say, look, there was, because there was so, so little about clubs themselves. Now, there's a lot on swingers. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot on swingers, um, you know, from anything around um, how they feel about their partners, a lot of psychology about it, a lot about um, risk, etc. But the club is a different kind of space for me. It's kind of, yes, you've got that swing of communities, but also you have the trans community in there. You have uh, men going there just for sex with other men. You'll have women going there. You know, the majority, I'd say 60, 60 to 80% of women attending, they're, they're what you put there, uh, there to have sex um, or some kind of sexual encounter with other women. Now, for me, mm. swinging doesn't capture it. Yeah. yeah. There's something else going on. So I wanted to try and capture what it's like in there, what um, what goes on, um, both in a very positive way, do you know? Um, and that, that for me was a thing, just to try and capture, say, hey, look at, open, open up the pages and you'll see what's happening here. Um, so that was my aim, just to get a sense of what is happening. What were some of the standout things that you showed? I think one of the things that really, you really, you know, the one of the things that really um, you, you hear quite a lot is that women are forced to go, aren't they? Mm. so you hear this and you know there's a club in edinburgh just being you know that's just going for planning permission and um when they first uh, applied for planning commission there was a there was a bit of a kickback from a group of people up there saying it's vulnerable women who's attending these clubs and oh yeah yeah you know yeah. they're passive and all this kind of thing and you know one of the standout thing is that the the club for me and my reading of it is that kind of control and power is very much inverted. So yeah. the erotic capital that you might get in a nightclub, you know, gets transformed. 
And mm. you see these these older guys, maybe very successful economically, educationally in that. Suddenly in the club, that capital that they've, they've accumulated outside doesn't have much purchase because mm. women, women, okay, institute, usually women have, um, have control. They're the ones who can set out the parameters, usually, not all the times, but usually. And it was that complete inversion of mm. who has the sexual, you know, the, the erotic capital in these, in these, in these spaces. I've just been interviewing um, about, I've, I've interviewed about 11, 11, 12 club owners. Um, half of them are women. Oh, wow. Yeah. And their ethos um, comes through as really kind of, no, you know, that no means no, consent, protection, safety um, comes across so strong. And for me, mm. that was the thing that jumped out of me. It was kind of, whoa. Hold on, there's a different set, set sense of the way in which, you know, being gender researcher is gender's action, gender's being actually articulated here. So, yeah, it was it was fascinating. That's so it's so interesting because I um, I mean, <laughs> when when a friend of a friend has been to a sex club, when and I've been to a sex club, yeah. I <laughs> one of the things that I noticed was I think because something that a lot of people can get really worried about is like, oh, my God. Am I going to be the the last chicken in Sainsbury's? Am I going to be the one that sat in the corner by myself and everyone else is having a grand old time around me? But what I found was that a lot of the women were coming up to me and talking to me. There was no sense of competition. It wasn't as if like, like, like in a nightclub, it would be, you might feel a bit more, oh, people are looking, people are whispering. But I felt more... The women were coming up and saying, oh, is this your first time? Oh, you're going to have a great time. Don't worry, any problems, but you won't have any problems because we make it really safe for everyone. But, you know, it was the women that were coming up to me rather than the men coming up with stroking knees like, <laughs> so. Stroking knees, what you like? <laughs> that is the case, yeah. So where do you think the bad reputation comes from? Because when we do think of swingers clubs and sex clubs, you just think of the the old Mac brigade and, you know, loads of, and you do think vulnerable women rather than empowered women and confident women. You do, you do, absolutely. And if this is not the panacea, you know, there are, there are certainly things go, that happen that you would find outside of a club, et cetera. But the general trend is, you know, towards a very safe, caring environment. Um, the the mm. reputation, I think, is historical in terms of, you know, the way in which sex has traditionally been, you know, on the top shelf or under the counter. And all of a sudden you have these, you know, these clubs, which were, you know, the, there wasn't that many 20, 30 years ago. You know, yeah. and where they were, they would be, you, you could imagine the kind of perceptions that would, it, that would circulate around them. And so mm. now you see it's become a much more of a commercial enterprise. You know, um, and mm. the staging of different nights, the you know the themes and the trying to create, and it's almost like the experience economy. You go there, you pay your money to have mm. a good experience, and that doesn't mean you go in there and everyone's shagging around. It's not the case, you know. Mm. What what would be your advice for some? Because we're gonna have so many people who are thinking about going to a sex club, but who are nervous. Maybe they're on their own. Maybe they're single. What would be your first piece of advice to them? Oh gosh, this is a good question. Um, I think just to be aware that, that everyone's nervous when they first walk through that door. Yeah, 
So, mm. you know, when you walk through that door, to feel nervous is it's not unusual. It's not kind of, you know, you're not strange. Um, but just walk through the door because every club I visited, that is always this kind of, you know, welcoming um, kind of I- inclusive kind of vibe that goes on, you know. So I think anyone yeah. who's thinking about it, do it. Find out where the nearest one is. Yeah. Get on Google Maps. Know how you're getting there. Um, knowing <laughs> how you're getting home. That's the key thing. And just go <laughs> and just experience it. For some people, you know, and different clubs have different vibes. So, you know, some are more like a nightclub. Some are more like a wine bar. Some are like a, a kind of pub with sex. One thing you'll find is if you go online, you get a sense of the clubs. Although they... What what bothers me? You've still got all this ridiculous soft porn imagery that goes on. I mean, that might be reasons for that, but um, generally, you kind of check it out, do the research, and then um, you know, just just try it. And then you, you only have to be there for five minutes. If you don't like it, just walk out. No one judges you. You're not being judged. One of the things that I was quite surprised at in your report was also the age range. It was people in their forties rather than. You know, I would have I would have thought either people I mean, I think there's a speculation that, oh, it's a sex club and it's going to be all the young, bright young things in their 20s or it's going to be your your mum and dad. <laughs> but actually, it's kind of more, I don't know, the, the young, funky 40 year old generation. Yes, it's, it's, it's intriguing, isn't it? Because we hear about all the sex panics. They're all about these young people having casual sex and hooking up. Oh, my gosh, mobile phones. Where yeah. the, there's a real kind of, well, I'd say a shift, but culturally, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a group of 30s, 40s, 50s who are actually having lots of sex, lots of casual sex. And casual, when I say casual, I'm not saying that anything pejorative, just sex without promise of romance, you know? Mm. Um, I was also looking where you were saying that members who people who go to them are less likely to contract sexual illness and sexual diseases. And do you think that's an age thing or do you think that's specifically because they're in a sex club and they're in an environment where it's very much condoms have to be have to happen? Yeah, I think there's a people are more aware of. Um, they reflect on the risks. That's my understanding. More reflexive on the potential risks that occur. Now that doesn't that doesn't mm. suggest that some that, that a number of people aren't taking risks, and they are. And I think that's the next part of the research for me is to establish what what is the um, what is the nature of risk. How how might we track it? How might we measure it? Um, but for you know the research around suggests that you're no more likely to have an STI than than you are if you're not going to a sex club. I just think people are more aware. I think people yeah. are more, you're going there to where you may have an encounter, you're aware, and it's not just a, a one-off spontaneous, situ, you know, um, kind of situation. Um, this is what this is about. And that that kind of triggers people into reflecting, well, what happens in this situation? Mm. And, you know, some people some people have a, a, a unprotected sex there because they choose to. That's something I'm, I'm really intrigued in um, to find out a little bit more about why is that. There's a lot of work being done on um, the gay community around barebacking, etc. What about what about those who have heteroerotic encounters? 
what does what does that look like why is that happening mm, that's so it's always I always find that quite fascinating because I grew up in the in the AIDS pandemic and all the big you know uh adverts with the big gravestones and everything and I talk to a lot of younger people on this podcast and and they they get the same fears that we had pre-AIDS and HIV which is like oh I feel embarrassed by going into a shop and getting a condom I had that sort of beaten out of me and then and now they've got it. They're embarrassed to stop the sex and and put a condom on. And I'm I always find it so fascinating that they won't just say, no, we stop and put a condom on. Like that's just common. Yeah, thing. no, I, I totally I mean, you know, and clubs themselves I think have a role to play. Some clubs will have free condoms, free lube in the rooms. Okay. Mm. Um other clubs you won't have condoms at all. You can't even buy them there. Oh, wow. Oh, that's fascinating. Isn't it? And then you've got others that you get them from a vending machine, others that you buy them from a bar. You know, you'll have hot chocolate, coffee, sandwich, condom. (laughs) You've got your menu there. (laughs) That's like my house. Make a couple of quid off your Jurex. Good on you. I know. Well, when we set up our sex club, we know we know where where we're we're going with it. And you know what? The The one thing I think when we set our sex club up, I think the one thing is that existing models of clubs tend to borrow from other forms of social sociality. And what I mean by that, it's very similar to either to a working men's club, a bar, a nightclub. What would a sex club be like if you just had the, you know, if it was just about erotic pleasure? What would that look like? Very different kind of meat raffle. Very different. It'd have to be. But, you know, there's that kind of thing. Well, you know, I'd really like to see some kind of imaginative kind of place or way of being with other people that didn't necessarily revolve around a bar. Well, maybe it's not possible. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Do you know? What are some of the big learning lessons that you learned? What are some of the do's and don'ts that you found within sex clubs that we can pass on to people when they're when they're first walking through the doors? I mean, I think one of the things is really to just to, I know people, some people find it difficult to talk, but just to say hello, just to start up some kind of conversation or join in the conversation. You know, whether it's whether you stand at the bar and you talk to the person on the bar or whether you sit down next to someone and, I think making the conversation would really helps. It doesn't matter. It's not necessarily going to lead anywhere, but it just gives you a sense of settlement when you're in a place that you don't know and you're talking to someone who says, you know, how they, you learn about how they feel, et cetera. Mm. So I think that for me is the, um, is one of the things of trying to, just trying to engage to start with. So you so you start talking and you could go into the you know, you can go into the hot tub and do that if they've got one. Do you know? Mm. It's just go, and that just produces conversation. Honestly. Yeah. Do you know? What can people do in order to make sure that they're finding a good reputable sex club? Where is a good place to start? Well, I think again, look at the look at the way in which clubs present themselves online. Um, yeah. Do they do they have a membership system? I mean, so membership is really important, um, basically, because if anything does happen in the club, they have a record of who's there. Uh, yeah. um, so it's a very it's a very positive thing. People because of GDPR, um, you know, people aren't hanging on to the data, but to have that um, data there for people attending, it's it's really quite reassuring rather than kind of oh it's a problem yeah so I think 
just checking out whether the style and the feel of the club matches what what you're looking for look at the gallery is it the kind of place you want to be is it you know do you want that nightclub vibe or do you want that more laid-back wine bar you know cabaret table style what is it you what is it you really want and so that Mm. so there's a thing here about you know asking asking yourself why do you want to go what are the reasons what do you want from that club where are you going to feel safe and 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 kind of um comfortable that's that's about you and your own way of um making sense of it so i think yeah. they're the things and you know and and i guess people listening to to your podcast will they, they tend to they tend to be people who are reflecting on on the choices they're making and why they're making them um and so i think that kind of approach is really really important um, and again if you don't like it you just leave yeah it's it's a sex club it's not trafficking you're fine yeah I think that's such an important thing but it's such something that's so underrated when I when we talk to a lot of um experts in sex and in orgasms and in their own body confidence a lot of people like will say the first thing you've got to do is figure out what you want it's not Mm -hmm. about what this practice is going to give you it's about what you want to get from the practice and I think that's such an underestimated thing and it's so interesting to hear that that's something that goes into sex clubs as well what do you want from the sex club rather than thinking I you know that you're just going to get it you've got to think about what you want and um, and be part of the community but it is part of a process I mean you know you don't sit there saying well I don't know what I want I must there must be something wrong with me it's part of a process you know you yeah. start to learn you can start to learn and understand what you want if you've had uh, experiences where you're part of a monogamous re- relationship where you know you've been part of that and you know sexuality starts with and ends with children um you know your long-term relationship all that kind of thing and then so turn around and say, well, what do you want? You might say, I really, you know, on one hand, some people do. Others might say, I really don't know. And so yeah. it's that kind of, you know, step-by-step process of trying to work out, does this make sense? Does this work? Does this feel right? You know, there's a lot of thing yeah. about people thinking, thinking and, oh, we've got to know and all this kind of thing. But does it feel? Feeling is just as much as important as, as how you, what you think. And I, so you've, when you, so now you've, you've published your book and you published your research. So have you been back to the sex clubs as a proper punter? No. Oh, you can tell me. Not yet. And all the, <laughs> not yet. Okay. It's been strange because like I've visited so many and I've got to know a number of the owners, you know, I'll go in there now. Mm, okay. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, the last one I went to was a club where, um, and I spent about two, two or three hours sitting in reception, just wow. talking to people coming through the door, talking to the, you know, talking to the owner, talking to people coming through the door. And you know what? One of the striking thing was, it was a younger kind of generation, okay, despite what yeah. I said earlier, and the majority were women. Oh. So the oh. idea that you go into this club for all these men coming around, this was... Yeah. You know, this was a different kind of situation. I mean, it's different if you're going to a, a, a greedy girls night where you, or, a mm-hmm. you know, a specific theme like that. But this was really intriguing. And I think yeah. a, a, number of, a number of clubs have said to me that, you know, there is a, there's a little bit of a shift in terms of who's attending and how they attend. So, like, people will attend a club um, as part of their going out or their evening. So they'll go for go for a meal beforehand and then go to a club or something. Wow. It's kind of a different 
part of a, a different leisure experience? I mean, it kind of makes sense. Like, because you're going to, sometimes you're going out for a meal, then you're going to a nightclub to pool. So why not just skip the steps and just go straight for it? Or go to a club where they serve you pizza and Chardonnay. Uh. <laughs> well, sitting downstairs, basket of chips, margarita pizza, three ste- three stories up. There's loads of rooms. Penis Grigio, why not? Lovely. <laughs> oh my god oh chris this has all been so much fun and fascinating if people want to find uh find the research and they want to ask you questions about it or they just want to sit down and have a glass of penis grigio with you where can they find you well when i'm not at the sex club <laughs> i am at university <laughs> So you just Newcastle University, Chris Aywood, Newcastle University. Have a, um, and I, I promise I'll, I can be more academic and more professional. That's not what we're here for. <laughs> no, no. Um, but yeah, just Newcastle University, um, Chris Aywood. Just type it in Google and um, send me an email. Thank you so much, Chris. That was so much fun. Thank right. you. Right. Okay. So <laughs> bye. 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 <laughs> I have once again delved into my fun bags where I asked you for all your stories and confessions around sex clubs, swinging, dogging, the works. Uh, Jamie, he says, I've been to swingers clubs since my 20s and always had a lovely time. Oh, well, Jamie, you're someone who describes a swingers club as a lovely time. So I bet you do. Anyway, he says that everyone's really friendly and there's sex. I've got no idea why people go to nightclubs to get drunk and pull and end up all sloppy when it's all there for you. Uh, I agree, Jamie. I think I'm... I'm coming round to the idea. Not that I was ever against it, but I'm I'm quite shy. And I think getting this... I've got another message from Marianne and she gets it. Marianne says that as a plus-size woman, I'm petrified of being left standing by myself, so I've never gone. Do you think I should go to a sex club? Marianne, I'm in exactly the same position. Now, I've been, but I've been with, like, clients and ex-boyfriends and going by myself. I also feel like, am I going to be the last chicken in Sainsbury's but as Dr Chris was saying they have theme nights and I may have taken a little look and there's ones that do cater for plus size women big beautiful women all that all people of every size shape colour gender sexuality there is a swingers night for everyone that's something I'm going to put on a t-shirt. Uh, Brian, he said, I tried one with a BYOB policy. Bring your own beer. That's what we've just heard about. Yes. Uh, but I was so nervous, I ended up bringing a bit too much of my own beer and left on my own and had to do DIY at home. Oh, I see what you're doing there, Brian. <laughs> I too would be a bit afraid of bringing too much of my own bee. Definitely. You can find me on Instagram. It's Miri Kane, M-I-R-I-K-A-N-E. Or you can slide into my DMs or email smutdrop at metro.co.uk. I've been Miranda Kane. Smutdrop was produced by Pineapple Audio Production for metro.co.uk. And if you are enjoying this weekly trip into my den of equity, then please leave me a nice review. And in the meantime, I'm going to be back to prick up your ears next week. And remember... 
remember, don't do anything I wouldn't do. But if you do, then name it after me.